0: Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Gladiator, Aaron Hernandez, and Football Inc. ad free on Amazon Music. Download the app today.
1: A listener note this episode contains some adult language and themes. In football, pain is
2: part of the game. One of my earliest memories of football was in college. A person on the medical staff stands up in front of us and says, In football, there is a 100% chance of injury. The pressure to keep playing, even when you're hurt, can be immense. And after he said that, he says, and there's the door. No one left. You're
3: training to become a destructive human being, and you go and pose your will on Sunday, and, and it's fun, and everyone loves it.
0: this is cold. It's on TV, you don't—you never get to see how loud and incredibly hard these hits are. For these guys to get up is very impressive.
4: I'm not sure about this one. Somehow he gets to his feet.
0: But those hits, those
1: injuries—they take a toll in game after game, season after season. Hello, Super Bowl. New England
4: is heading back Ken for the third straight year. Good. Rams win it and on to Super Bowl. 50.
1: By the time the Super Bowl rolls around... This late in the season, everyone's injured. Injured, but playing anyway, often with the help of powerful drugs.
2: Once I started playing a lot in my first starting season, one of the players said to me, man, you need to start getting tore off, man. You're on the injury report too much.
4: The name of the game was trying to get you
5: on the field. So they did what they had to do. But at what cost... Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. That's rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. Have you ever covered a carpet stain with a rug? Ignored a leaky faucet? Pretended your half-painted living room is supposed to look like that? Well, you're not alone. We've all got unfinished home projects, but there's an easier way. When you download Thumbtack, it's easier to care for your home from top to bottom. Pull out your phone and adjust a few taps. You can search, chat, and book highly rated pros right in your neighborhood. Plus, you'll know what to tackle next, because Thumbtack is the app that shows you what to do, who to hire, and when. So say goodbye to all those unfinished home projects, and say hello to caring for your home the easier way. Download Thumbtack and start a project today.
1: From the Boston Globe and Wondery, I'm Bob Holer, and this is a bonus episode of Gladiator, an investigative series about Aaron Hernandez and Football, Inc. In our six-part series, we brought you the story of a deeply troubled young man and the ugly underside of the game that made him a star. Since the series was released we've been digging deeper into other areas of his story, including things he shared with friends from the NFL in the months after his arrest.
6: Hello, this is a prepaid collect call from...
1: Hernandez talked to his old teammates from college and the NFL almost every day, and we were struck by what they talked about. Call after call is filled with descriptions of injuries and the drugs they took so they could keep playing with broken ribs, sprained ankles, torn shoulders... Like this call, with his friend Brandon Spikes, who played for both the Patriots and the Bills.
7: That's what football players do, shit, they play hurt. Even when you had that fucked up knee, you know what I'm saying? Right, but I had one season, I was healthy, but I was just like, everybody got some no shit going on.
1: Everybody has something going on. We've talked before about the long-term consequences of head injuries and CTE, but it's not just head injuries. In his short career, Aaron Hernandez learned what pro ballers do. In fact, ask almost any NFL player, any retired player, coach, or team doctor, and they'll tell you the same thing. In football, at that level, almost everyone is in pain, almost all the time. Aaron Hernandez was dead by the age of 27. Over the course of his life, he grappled with some of the long-term physical effects of his time in the game. But other former players we spoke to lived for much longer after they retired. It's so omnipresent that it's, uh, it's a factor you can't consider. You just
3: know that you'll deal with it, and so will everyone else.
1: Eugene Monroe played seven seasons in the NFL, for the Jaguars and later for the Ravens.
3: In terms of injury and recovery, you're in a constant pain state because you, you really don't have an opportunity to ever recover from any injuries that happen while you play football.
1: And for a lot of these guys, that leads to chronic health issues later on. In 2013, the Washington Post found that nearly 90% of retired NFL players were in pain on a daily basis, and that they attributed that pain to football. And there's also this. Retired NFL players are four times more likely to abuse opioids than the general population. It's the culture. Are you hurt? Are you injured? That's the
2: famous question. If you're hurt, then you can play through it. If you're injured,
1: you have to come out. Brandon Lloyd played 11 seasons in the NFL as a star receiver. He says that's just how it is in college football and in the NFL. You get hurt and you keep playing, if you possibly can. The problem is if I come out, then someone else takes
2: my spot and then I may not get that spot back. What if that player has a few good games? What if that player has a good rapport with the quarterback? You know, these are the questions that would go through my mind when it came down to being injured.
1: And so we have to play. There's also outside pressure to get back in the game. Some of it from coaches like Bill Belichick. Lloyd played in the Patriots for one season under Belichick.
2: In my case, I had a severe growing strain going into maybe the second game of that 2012 season in New England, we were going into Baltimore. And I received a lecture from uh, one of the position coaches that said, you know, you're new here. And Bill really admires players who play through pain. And if you can get out in the game and at least be a decoy, that would go a long way for us. And so I warmed up before the game. It was very uncomfortable and I, I played.
7: Brady will go right to the air on first down and then throws and that will be a first down as he completes it to Brandon Loy, one of the new Patriots. They picked him up in free agency in the offseason.
1: He played through that groin injury the same way hundreds of NFL players compete every Sunday with the help of drugs sometimes just high doses of over-the-counter painkillers like Advil, Aleve, or Tylenol, but also often with another more powerful drug
0: called Toradol. Toradol is basically injectable Motrin. It's an injectable anti-inflammatory medicine. Here's a great drug that has a lot of the pain relieving capabilities of a narcotic without any of the addictive or side effects. You know, it has a few, you know, potential for a little bleeding or something like that, but it's a relatively safe drug.
1: Thomas Gill was a team doctor for the Patriots for years, including while Hernandez was on the team. For most of that time, he was the head physician until he left in 2014. He was one of the guys you see run out onto the field when a player goes down to check whether he has to come out of the game or whether he is okay to stay in. And behind the training room doors, he was also the guy giving the players drugs, like Toradol. A lot of players lined up to get Toradol before every single game. At the the, you know, the proverbial T-train, the line to
2: receive the tordal injection in the glute. You can play games with torn
3: ligaments and fractured and broken bones with the Toradol shot. You know, if that pain
2: function is, is shut off, then you can still perform it would be the players who are involved in the most contact it's the offensive linemen the defensive linemen nexus the linebackers following them's the full backs following them's the running backs then it's receivers and dbs it's the guys that are receiving the most contact in front needing it the most
4: now i did it before every game and i remember sometimes i had to do it before practice when i was trying to uh, wait till after the season to have surgery
3: you know, you, you, you get the, the Toradol shot, and you can go from feeling miserable and not knowing how you perform that day to feeling like Superman, you know, ready to run through a wall. The
2: Toradol is a career saver. I needed it. It prolonged my career.
1: But Toradol has also been found to cause serious internal bleeding and kidney problems, including kidney failure. Around 2011, advocates for NFL players began to sound alarms over the potential long-term effects of the drug. Then, a group of retired players sued the NFL, alleging that Toradol masked the severity of concussions and other injuries they got on the field, and that they were not informed of its potential dangers. That is something Gill, the former Patriots doctor, disputes. He says every year at training camp, he did talk to the players about the side effects of Toradol and other drugs, at Coach Belichick's request. And he says he told them his policy, that he would not give preventative Toradol,
0: but that he would give it to players who were injured or in pain. But again, first let us explain the risks and benefits of Toradol. Potential kidney side effects, liver side effects, the potential for bleeding. You can only have so much of it. You know, We want you to sign an informed consent. It was a very methodical, medically appropriate usage of how to address everyone ahead of time.
2: You know, I can't recall anyone telling me about the side effects, probably because I didn't want to hear it. You know, the whole purpose of my use of Toradol was to be playing in the game. Because if I didn't play, I didn't get paid. If I didn't play, I didn't get opportunities to score and and fulfill my dreams. If I didn't use it, I wouldn't have an opportunity to do any of that.
1: But after that first group of players filed the Toradol lawsuit in 2011, things changed somewhat.
3: The practice has changed a bit. I know that they try to limit to some degree how frequently they use those drugs, but I do know they're still in
1: use. Still very much in use. As of 2014, more than half of the players on NFL rosters were getting Toradol before games, according to a survey of 27 teams. And it's not just Toradol that's being doled out. The most common drug they'll give you like, in the training room if you
4: spraying your ankle or something, is they'll just give you a prescription for Vicodin. You know, I've been working on a book and looking up some things for this book, I uh, found that I was prescribed nine different prescriptions in one month alone for Vicodin. That's nine prescriptions in one month. That's pretty crazy.
1: Ryan O'Callaghan was drafted by the Patriots in 2006 as an offensive tackle. By then, he already played with a broken wrist and had four shoulder surgeries.
4: I got drafted having four surgeries already and then once i got to the nfl i injured that same left shoulder two more times you know so you know i I was i was very familiar with taking painkillers and spending a lot of time in the training room you know i'd I'd figured out alternative ways to try to help but they were always very quick to you know help, help take the pain away especially if you ask for them
1: and by ask for them he means opioids that's actually something we heard Aaron Hernandez talk a lot about with his former NFL friends, painkillers. Like in this call from 2014 with his friend Mike Pouncey, who was just getting over leg surgery. You
7: finished them, them, uh, them perks? Man, what, bro? <laughs> i will screwed them before I get home. I used to say like five of them motherfuckers, six of them motherfuckers. Oh, they say you, you ain't supposed to drink on those shit. I'm like, shit, yeah, what you mean? That's the best. Whoa. What you mean? Yeah, you yeah. don't
1: yeah. Hernandez was injured or hurt for a lot of his time with the Patriots. He had hip surgery and shoulder surgery and a bad ankle sprain. He missed 10 games in three years because of his injuries and required more medical attention than most of his teammates. The
7: giving me a re on that when I had got my... When I had, got that, or when I had them, my handkerchief, they gave me them perks. I was in motherfucking meetings. Head all
1: the way on my knees. Hernandez and Brandon Spikes also talked about just how easy it was to get opioids in the NFL. Perks and
7: blackness and shit. You gotta find a sickness and shit to get a blackness. I used to it out on the plane and shit. Yeah.
1: Brandon Lloyd, who played with Hernandez on the Patriots in 2012, remembers that too. How team doctors would pass out pills on the plane.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah. The medical staff would just walk through the aisles and say, how you feeling? How you feeling? How are you feeling? You need anything? You need anything?
0: And, and guys would just say yes. It used to be the, like I said, you had the little bins of this Advil, Aleve, and Tylenol. But it also used to be that the sports medicine staff, the athletic training staff had a basically a suitcase or a kit that was kept on site that had everything from narcotics to antibiotics to anti-inflammatory medicine.
1: Dr. Gill says the team did travel with drugs during many of his years with the Patriots,
0: but he said it was always by the book. And we had a very careful way, and this was just uniform across the league, DEA approved, but it was, you literally carried your own pharmacy with you everywhere you went and then you'd carry that with you. Usually the doctor or the trainer had to carry it on the plane, and it was completely up to our discretion, you know, who needed what and got what. And we'd have a little piece of paper and you know, you'd sign up who got what and that was it. It
3: was given out in a few different ways. When I first got to the NFL, one of the assistant trainers would go around the locker room the day before the game and, and hand pills to each active player, each guy who was, who was going to be dressed and ready to go. So the day before the game, before the competition, you were given your opioids. And you know, there were times where you know someone might not like taking them or whatever the case may have been, they were definitely bartered on our flights to and from our away games.
4: Everyone knew who was injured and, you know, not everything in the locker room was private. And, you know, obviously I'm not going to say names or anything, but yeah, there was definitely times where you would help each other out.
1: That looseness with opioids, the passing them out on the plane or in the locker room, changed not long after that Toradol lawsuit was filed. Federal agents began investigating allegations in the
0: lawsuit and NFL doctors reacted. The DEA started getting much stricter and saying, you can no longer be your own pharmacy and dispense. And that's when we went from dispensing our own medication to literally writing prescriptions for any kind of controlled substance. We didn't keep any controlled substances really on site anymore. If a player had a problem, we'd call it into the pharmacy, we'd write a prescription, they'd have to get it like any other patient would. Because of
1: all the surgery Ryan O'Callaghan had during his football career, both in college and in the NFL, he was on and off opioids a lot. He says it was never really a problem until he had yet another surgery on his shoulder during his last season with the Chiefs. Then I came back out to Kansas City after I got operated on and they had prescribed me
4: Dilaudid. And i had never had Dilaudid before. Um, is just a very, very strong pain medicine. And, you know, I had some other things going on in my life which the painkillers helped to cover up for. But that led to an addiction and it got way out of hand for quite a while. I was spending a lot of money in, in you know, looking around, trying to get painkillers from different people, and I even went to an outside doctor, and, you know, if you tell someone you're an NFL player and you're in pain, you know, here's a report from my last surgery, and you tell them, oh, I, you know, I can't tell the team exactly how much pain I'm in, you know, you, you can easily manipulate a doctor
1: to give you what you want. And that's what I did. Given the amount of pain he was in, and given the NFL's rules, he says opioids Felt like his only option.
4: They wouldn't let you smoke marijuana or anything like that. So, you know, but they'll let you take all the painkillers you wanted. So, you know, I had to do what I had to do.
5: Shopify's already taken the cash register online, helping millions sell billions around the world. But did you know that Shopify can do the same thing at your retail store? Give your point-of-sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify is the commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at Shopify.com slash Wondery, all lowercase. Go to Shopify.com slash Wondery to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash Wondery.
6: Considering a master's in forensic science, but juggling family and work, the University of Florida Forensic Science Online Graduate Program is your solution. Tailored for working pros, this entirely online program fits seamlessly into your schedule. Crafted with FBI and law enforcement input, the curriculum equips you with skills to elevate your career. Join over 1,500 graduates who earned their master's since 2000. Specialize in forensic toxicology, DNA and serology, forensic drug chemistry, or create your plan with an MS in forensic science. Advance your career with a master's. No need to rearrange your life. It's online, interactive, and built for professionals like you. No GRE required. Network with forensic pros globally. Ready for the next chapter? Join the world's largest forensic science program and alumni network at forensicscience.ufl.edu slash Wondery. Your journey begins at the University of Florida.
7: Hey, yo, yeah, I've been reading. They, they thinking about like, uh, trying to start a comp- conversation about legalizing marijuana for the NFL. Man, I seen that, bro. Yeah, they started talking about that, bro. Yeah, I've been reading bad shit in the magazines about that. They all came out and said if it helps the players. Anything that helps the players, he's going to look into it. So they're going to start researching it. Word, because they said the the, the pills they give us, like Percocets and fucking oxycodone, this and that, and I forgot the mother shit they give us. That's worse for us than smoking earlier. You know I'm saying. That's what I
1: said. That's Aaron Hernandez talking with his friend Mike Pouncey in 2014. A year later, the NFL Players Union negotiated a slightly more lenient marijuana policy. Players are still officially banned from using it, though a lot of them smoke anyway. Hernandez said he smoked before every single game.
7: Matter of fact, when game got, I had my little system. I used to get a footlong meatball subway. <laughs> used to what? I used to get a footlong meatball, subway sandwich. That's what, every game. Yeah, I used to go get that.
1: That was in high school. But Hernandez said he continued getting high before every game he played in college and in the NFL.
2: Oh, Oh, yeah. I mean, a lot of players did it before the games, for sure. For sure. And I didn't like it for that reason. It was just the irresponsibility. They, to me, were unreliable because of the immediate side effects that affect judgment
4: and impairment. I never heard anyone do that in the NFL. It must not have been very good weed if he was able to play at a high-level stone. But, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess it's possible.
1: Ryan O'Callaghan says he never played a game stoned, but he says he did smoke on off days, during his college career and parts of his NFL career, too, mostly to help manage his pain.
4: I went to Berkeley, so I started smoking marijuana probably my third year at Cal And a lot of guys did, a lot of guys on the team did. And uh, they started this kind of crackdown drug testing, but they gave us the option of entering this program called Safe Harbor, where you just had to tell a team psychologist that you were smoking and you were trying to quit and you were basically, your name was taken out of the hat so you wouldn't get called for a drug test. So I entered Safe Harbor and basically was allowed to smoke all I wanted. I was basically always recovering from some sort of injury in college, so that really helped. I was never addicted to painkillers in college, but I I took them right after surgery, but that was about it. But I I
1: smoked marijuana. Then he got to the NFL, where players are tested for marijuana. The test is only once or twice a year, and it's usually around the same time, in the spring, before the season starts. I knew that was coming, so I prepared for that.
4: So I got to the NFL, got to New England. My first year there, I, I I don't think I smoked that much. And then you find out about you know, their drug testing policy when they do it, the repercussions if you get caught, and that turns into a big drawback.
1: Players who test positive multiple times for marijuana can be fined or suspended without pay. But for the most part, players who want to smoke have figured out how to get around the testing. Hernandez himself actually talked about a friend who helped him beat a test. And once players have passed their test, they can typically smoke without getting caught.
7: We ain't got our test yet, bro. This the time they start doing it, but I ain't got mine. You know, the tackles got their shit the other
1: day. For most of his career, O'Callaghan did what Hernandez and his friend Marquise Pouncey talked about doing. He'd stop smoking around the time he knew the test was coming. He'd take the test and then he'd start smoking again. And it worked until 2009, his first year with the Chiefs, when he got caught. And then that puts you in a two-year
4: program where you get tested up to five times a month, I believe it is. And if you then test positive again, you get suspended for four games and then the team finds out. And for a guy like me, that could have been the end of my career if if something like that happened. So, that's why I couldn't smoke weed anymore, which led to taking more and more painkillers.
1: And more and more painkillers, which eventually led to an addiction.
3: Adults shouldn't be punished for using cannabis, especially adults that that benefit from it, like athletes who can, you know, use the combination of healing and, you know, pain relief and inflammation reduction and a number of other things, the reduction of anxiety. I mean, there's so, so many things that athletes can benefit from without taking pharmaceutical drugs that come paired with
1: side effects that also diminish performance on the field. Eugene Monroe says he never smoked marijuana when he was playing in the NFL, even though he was often in a lot of pain. I
3: started taking painkillers after my first surgery in
1: college when I
3: hurt my knee, but really that just coincided with the surgery. And from there, I I was on a pretty consistent dose of anti-inflammatories, pretty much from then through throughout my career. By the end of it, you know, I, I tried to eliminate those anti-inflammatory drugs because they, you know, were causing a ton of, ton of gastrointestinal issues. So I started doing things a lot more naturally,
1: which is also what led me to cannabis. Monroe says he started researching cannabis while he was still playing. And the more he learned, the more convinced he became that it was better than the other options out there, like opioids. So in 2016, he became the first active player to speak out publicly and urge the NFL to end its ban on marijuana, at least in states where it's been legalized in some way.
3: The NFL and athlete population in general experiences injuries on a rate that, you know, in one season, a person who doesn't play NFL football, you know, they might live 16 lifetimes or more before they have that amount of injury um, and pain. So it's certainly a different, uh, a different arena of pain and one that's more constant and perpetual and one that, you know, requires a different approach to manage that pain other than opioids. Uh, the pain isn't going anywhere, but it needs to be managed somehow. And opioids is not the answer.
1: But Thomas Gill, the former Patriots team doctor, says cannabis is not the answer either.
0: If you take the NFL out of it, do I think there's a role for cannabis medically? Absolutely. With regard to the NFL, do I think there's a role for cannabis? Personally, no. Right? Absolutely not. There's no injury, I think, in football that happens that for a player that's on the active roster that would require cannabis, first of all. Secondly, Again, it is a non-performance-enhancing drug. It's the opposite. It's gonna be a, a, what's the word, disenhancing drug. It would negatively affect performance by taking cannabis. So I personally do not think it has a role in the NFL at all.
1: Monroe disagrees, so much so that now that he's retired, he's gone into the cannabis business. He's now a partner with Green Thumb Industries, a company that grows and sells medical marijuana.
3: Statistically, it's curbed opioid issues to the tune of 25% in states where it's been legalized for medical use. And some states, like Illinois, have have been even more progressive in allowing opioids to be replaced by cannabis. So if you get a prescription or recommendation that you have opioids, you, you can now get cannabis in its place. It's significant.
1: Especially when you think about that statistic again that retired NFL players abuse opioid pain medication at four times the rate of the general population. Gill acknowledges that there is an opioid crisis among retired players.
0: If you ask me, do I think there's a problem with retired players? Absolutely, these guys hurt.
1: But Gill says he doesn't think that has
0: anything to do with the way NFL doctors are prescribing opioids. I think opioids are a bigger problem in other sports than football, but I personally had never saw it in the NFL. I think his comment is, is really so far out of touch
3: with reality. It's baffling. I mean, an active player is nothing more than, you know, a, a retired player who hasn't retired yet. The game's going to end for him. He's going to retire and be in that same position. So it's all related.
1: Monroe, O'Callaghan, and Lloyd are all retired now, and they all say they're still in pain, that they still feel the effects of injuries they suffered in the NFL every day.
4: I'm actually on disability through the NFL. Pain's just part of my life.
1: I have to
2: live an active lifestyle or I'll hurt. You know, I have to continue to run and lift and stretch or my body will hurt. Knees, neck, back, shoulders, hands. I
3: mean, you you can really go through it and find nowhere that there's not something going on.
1: And that's true of the vast majority of retired players, nearly 2,000 of whom are currently trying to sue the NFL for not warning them about the possible long-term consequences of taking so many painkillers.
0: Do the medications, do the treatments, do all the things that we have at our disposal now, do they lead to problems in the future? Of course they do, right? Because if you were one and done, if you had a, a, a knee injury, if you had one, it used to be you had one spine surgery, you were out of the NFL. You know, now someone's got three, let alone knee, ankle, elbow, shoulder, this, that, and the other thing. Absolutely, they're gonna cause problems. But again, it's all about informed consent. You need to talk to your patient, you need to talk to the player, hear the risks and benefits of being able to play, hear the risks and benefits, you know, football is not a safe sport. It's just, it's not. But as long as people understand the risks, they're adults, they can make their own decisions.
1: In 2016, Eugene Monroe did make a decision. He was only 29, but he was starting to worry about all the trauma he had already inflicted on his body. He decided to retire, even though he says he knew he was still strong and good enough to keep playing. I just, I felt that it was time to to make a decision to
0: not continue to destroy my body and my head and move on. We've seen examples over the past couple of years of players retiring early that we never would have, I guarantee you 10 years ago, they would not have walked away from the game. And it's because I think the NFL has done a good job of educating on the potential side effects of chronic traumatic encephalopathy, concussions, and everything else.
1: But it's still rare for players to walk away before they have to. For a lot of these guys, like Brandon Lloyd, it still feels worth it.
2: It's worth it. It's worth it. You know, it's worth it in high school to get an opportunity to get a full-ride scholarship to the college of my choice. It's worth it to be playing at the college of my choice, getting the education, the exact education that I wanted, to get an opportunity to play in the NFL and make a million dollars. And it's worth it playing in the NFL, making a million dollars to make 10 more. And it's worth it to make even more,
1: right? It's worth it. It's so worth it, that's why people do it. Even with all that we know now about the long-term consequences of playing this sport, on the body, and on the brain, but with fewer young people taking up the game, will future generations of players feel the same way?
0: Good evening, and welcome to the NFL Draft. What is it like to hear your name called? You
3: know, it's something I've been dreaming about as a kid. It's like a dream come true to me. Man
0: they get wow. That's how you make a name for
1: yourself in the NFL. From the Boston Globe and Wondery, this is a bonus episode of Gladiator, our series about Aaron Hernandez and Football, Inc. If you'd like to help us spread the word, please give us a review and tell your friends to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, and every major listening app, as well as Wondery.com. If you're listening on a smartphone, tap or swipe over the cover art of this podcast. You'll find the episode notes, including some details you may have missed. You'll also find some offers from our sponsors. Please support our show by supporting them. And thank you. You can also read the original print series of Gladiator at BostonGlobe.com/gladiator. This episode of Gladiator was reported and hosted by me, Bob Holer, and written and produced by Samantha Fields. Andrew Ryan of the Boston Globe Spotlight Team provided additional reporting. Thanks also to Globe editors Janice Page and Patricia Wen. The audio engineer was Marcelino Villalpondo, executive produced by George Lavender, Marsha Louie, and Hernán López for Wondery.
0: Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Gladiator, Aaron Hernandez, and Football, Inc. ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Or you can listen ad-free with Wondery Plus and Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at wondery.com survey.